0: Welcome to Conversations Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Sayo Nickerson. We hope that you will join Brandon, Victoria, and I as we aim to make sense of the past, age-old mysteries, and historical figures through mediumship, where we chat with beings or spirits on the other side who have a story to tell. We never know where it's going to go, and we hope that you will come along for the ride. Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations Beyond the Veil. We got to speak to Robin Hood, which was so exciting for me. One because I loved the Disney movie when I was a kid, but also my favorite real people movie when I was growing up was Robin Hood with Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland. I've watched that movie so many times; it was one of my favorite movies.
1: I've never heard of that or seen that.
0: Oh, it's really. Or good. have I
1: heard? Did you tell me about that? Did no, we about I didn't. Talk about that in this episode. <laughs> No?
0: I didn't. Oh. What did you like most about it?
1: I'm going to start off by saying Robin Hood, the myth, the legend, is, that's his kind of secret name. Robin Hood, the guy with the hood and he robs things. Um, so that's one thing I like about, about his legend in this episode. We, didn't really, we don't really know who... He wants to remain a mystery.
0: I think in real, yeah, there was a mystery around who this person was. So we dig into that. And I really love this episode because it really felt like we were investigative reporters asking questions like, well, but what does that mean? And tell me more about this. And really just trying to build a picture, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was that was really interesting. Also, because we don't know, there's not much in history written about this person. He was always a mysterious figure.
1: And is he real?
0: Yeah, is he real? Well,
1: actually, we we interview him, so so yes.
0: And um, for those of you who don't know, Robin Hood is best known because he was stealing from the rich to give to the poor.
1: And another thing about him is that he would go to Sherwood Forest and live amongst the poor who were, according to legend, who would go and escape in there because they didn't want to pay taxes, didn't want to live the life that King John at the time was forcing on them
0: yeah and we we get to meet one of these people yeah that was so fun yeah and then also later on i mean sometimes we get a bit off track and we start talking about things like spiritual things like avatars uh, yeah so we talked about avatars and if you want to know who are avatars living amongst us today you better listen because it's very interesting so we really hope that you enjoy this episode enjoy
1: enjoy
0: <laughs> Jeez. Hello everybody, I'm sitting here with Brandon and Victoria, and in this episode we are going to try to communicate with Robin Hood. So uh the, the research I did online actually says that there's very little information about Robin Hood. It it started off like in songs and legends, some stories and then some ballads. There's no no historical document that shows, yeah, you know, this person was this person and this is his real name and this is where he was from. It's like we know nothing. So I kind of think that's exciting even though it's such a common story that we've all kind of grown up with. I loved that Robin Hood movie, the Disney one with the foxes. Oh, yeah. Like I loved that movie when I was a kid.
1: Have you and seen I, the one with
0: Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner? I've seen it but I don't I don't re- really remember it, but I was thinking I might want to watch it again. Yeah, so Robin Hood is from possibly like 800 years ago, yeah. like 1200s, 1300s, somewhere in there.
1: When we get into the um, podcast more, I'll tell you what my near-death experience friend said about Robin Hood and that movie with Kevin Costner.
0: Okay. Cool. I look forward to hearing about that. So maybe we'll do that. We'll talk about that at the end, or whatever. Yeah. It comes yeah. Up. Okay. So um, I guess I'm not sure how this is going to work for you, Vic, because we don't know what is full name was we don't know if he was even real or not mm-hmm. um but maybe i don't know how would you go about accessing someone like that
2: i guess i would just say robin Hood and trust that they know who we're talking about yeah but uh, i literally don't know anything i didn't even think he was real so may not be uh, who knows i am may maybe oh he may be,
0: or he may be. I bet you he is because if Brandon's near death experience <laughs> mentioned him, he probably is real. So we can maybe let's go with that. I'm sure at least someone exists
2: that used to steal from the rich and give to the poor.
0: Yeah. A lot of people but that's don't. the other thing too. They don't know if that was even okay. how. Like there was just these stories about this person with this name. And then over time, you know, a lot of the attributes and like the people involved in the story changed or were added. So. Did he still... You know, we can uh, can find out all these things extent
2: of my It's quite a complicated
1: story, so yeah.
2: All right. Let's see what we get. I initially feel an older person coming through, so I don't know what age he would have died at, or this is someone else connected to him. But the person that's coming is like an older male, and he doesn't look very... He doesn't look rich. He he doesn't look well-dressed. He kind of feels like a, a bit of a mess. Feels like someone who would have lived in the woods, what you'd call like a peasant life back then. And there's something about him that feels kind of afraid, like he's hiding. But it feels like he probably wasn't the only one. So there would have been a group of people.
1: So kind of like the actual stories of them living in the Sherwood Forest?
2: Was there a group of them in the stories?
0: His band of merry men.
2: Oh. Yeah. Okay. But whoever this person is presenting themselves doesn't feel like Robin Hood. So maybe he hasn't come forward yet. Or someone else has come forward in his place. Hmm. You want to ask him who he is? I'm hearing in a league of men. It actually kind of feels like at this time, say if this were to be a group of men who were on Robin Hood's side, (laughs) whatever, his army, um... A lot of them feel like they didn't actually really know who he was, they may mm. not have met Robin Hood, but it's like the whispering and, and bringing people in to join in, but they don't actually, they're fighting for a cause, but they don't really know who the leader oh, that's,
1: is. Yeah, that's, that's actually pretty accurate to what uh, the near-death experience was told me. Mm. So what are they fighting for?
2: It feels kind of uneducated, I mean they probably would have been if they were peasants, but I think it's just angry about being poor, which is obviously a horrible thing to go through. But they don't; it doesn't feel like they really have a, a strong understanding of what it is that they're fighting for. It's just like men coming together, and they're all in the same boat, so they're fighting for a cause that, if you ask each of them individually, they'd probably all say something different.
1: So the, um, the myths or the stories go that it was the king an absent king right now and the one who is taking his place is doing a lot of horrible things. One of the things is taxing people so much they cannot afford even food. Mm -hmm. So one of the stories is that's why they're also why they're banned together. They're kind of outlawed because they can't even afford to pay these taxes.
0: That sounds like they're tax fugitives. This, and it's not
1: just that, there's other things, but that's one of the reasons why they became poor. They weren't mm. they weren't for their regular people before and then it was just too much.
2: Yeah, it feels like they can't afford to live in the town or whatever the, space there was back then, so they're pushed onto the outskirts, which is in the woods and having to fight for themselves. But then there's like resentment building up and like obviously they want to do something about it. I feel like a lot of them would have lost family members from starvation and sickness, and they can't, they're not receiving any help. Okay. What can this person
0: tell us about Robin Hood?
2: feels like he's even more elusive than they are. So I feel a sense of, like, needing to keep his identity hidden. Um, Not because he's really afraid, like, I don't want to be the face of this. I don't know. I need to dig deeper on that, but it feels like there's something there of why he needs to not be known as the face of it. Tell us. And perhaps that's also why he's not coming forward now, because this is how it was back then. I feel like eventually he will. Yeah. But right now, did he just...
1: have connections that he also didn't want? If if he were if they found him as the leader, like let's say the the one who's in charge right now found him as a leader would they connect him to other people that he doesn't want to get harmed
2: it feels like he lives a double life so he's having to play both sides a bit is this what the peasant is telling you yeah and like what i'm feeling from the situation as Mm -hmm. well just reading into that time
1: is there anybody you can talk to that's closer to him or even to him
2: i feel like robin hood's more willing to come forward now because he feels way more well-dressed than the men did. But I also sense some discomfort in him. He doesn't want people to think that what he was doing was for the wrong reasons. So he feels kind of sensitive around, like, who would believe him. What was he doing? Feels like he was trying to protect the people. But he couldn't do that outwardly, because then he'd be challenging authority. But it feels like he had some kind of connection to authority, so he got to play both sides, like I said. But it feels like sympathy-wise, he like really connects with the people who are suffering. Where does that come from? I don't instantly. I just heard like his mother. Don't know why. And now I feel like I'm seeing him more as a child. So he just feels like a more sensitive soul for that time. So he doesn't quite fit in. And like he would have, actually, no, I was going to say he would have been raised to like be bad and evil, but I don't really feel that. It feels more like it would have been actually quite a nice time until this person came in and changed things. So it kind of puts a stop to like how he and his family would have done things.
1: How did he grow up? Did he grow up wealthy or was he more one of these poor peasants?
2: He doesn't feel like a poor peasant. He feels like he would have grown up in a family that had at least some kind of influence in that
0: town. Like merchant family or nobility?
2: More like nobility.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's nice.
2: <laughs> that's nice. Very nice. <laughs> I wish I was noble too. <laughs> <laughs> but he feels like he came from a really nice family.
1: And that's what I mean. I was uh, I was saying that's nice because that's, this is all of what my near-death experience was sh- friend was shown on the other side about this figure. So it's really fun to listen to. You. So there's legends of him growing up with uh, Mary Magdalene as a friend. Kind of a friend, but a fa- not a friend, as in like he was a friend with her, as in his family was friends with her family. Is that accurate? And they knew each other growing up. Not Mary Magdalene. I was um, like,
0: "What?" Sorry. Yeah. Um,
1: made made.
0: Made yeah. Marion. Yeah,
1: made <laughs> Marion. <Magdalene.
2: laughs> like, that she's only an off by eight hundred <laughs> years.
1: <laughs> You're like, what are you talking about?
2: Made Marion. Yeah, was she real? Kind of doesn't feel important to him right now. I feel like he wants to focus more on the situation at hand.
1: What's the situation at hand?
2: What we were discussing before about families and...
0: His motives.
2: Yeah. Okay, let's see what he has to say about that. I feel like he wants to set the record straight. Because like I said, there was this discomfort in like, oh, I... Maybe a certain group of people have seen him the wrong way and he's kind of uncomfortable about that. Like, there would have been people in the the peasant side that saw him as a traitor. And also on the nobility side, so... He feels really torn between the sides of like, ah, I can't, I can't be either or.
0: He doesn't fit in because on on the nobility side, he has these, he commiserates with the poor class that's being exploited. Mm -hmm. So he wants to help them, whereas the nobility is probably happy just extracting what they can from them. And then on the poor people, they'll never see him as one of their own because he's one of them. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. So it feels very torn. And it feels like he can't spend as much time with the poorer people as he would like to, because there's only so much he can get away without being caught. So then often they're left feeling a bit abandoned. And there's a lot of waiting. It's like, when's there going to be some direction of what we're meant to do? Like, we need to take action. And it's kind. Of, it feels like there's a long period of time where it's like, let me just figure something out. But I don't know how much actually happens.
0: So what were they doing? Who? The, the group, that they're waiting for direction, what kind of direction? Like what are some of the things that they actually did?
2: It feels like Robin Hood made a, a promise to them or some kind of oath that he would help them. So they're like living outlawed in the woods, just basically trying to fend for themselves. It's almost like creating their own little village out there to survive. I'm feeling like there would have been a lot of danger there, like, you know, some of them might have to sneak back into the town and, like, steal some things, or, and then they'd probably get killed for being a thief. Feels like most of Robin Hood's work is, he's trying to do it from the inside. So he's trying to change things within there, but there's only so much he can do, because whoever's in charge doesn't feel they're willing to compromise.
0: Who's in charge?
2: Some man, I don't know Yes, He he doesn't doesn't feel, he doesn't feel good. It doesn't really feel like it's who it's meant to be. It feels dark and evil.
0: And then what's dark and evil about him? just greed, like trying to just get money or were there other things that he was doing that was harming?
2: It just seems greedy, like there's no regard for anyone who lives in that town.
0: And is he just ruling this one town or is this like a, is this like a king or some lord?
2: He doesn't feel as grand as a king, but also, like I was saying, he doesn't feel like he's meant to be there. So.
1: Yeah, he was like an interim king.
2: So are you saying that uh, that that
0: part of the story is true? That like King Richard II was away, and his brother Prince John came in, and this is the evil guy? Yes. Yeah, that's actually true. Well, that's. I that's no what you, I mean. That's what you were told, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it lines up with the Disney cartoon.
1: Well. He, I don't, I've never seen, I've actually never seen the Disney cartoon, I've never seen the Arrow Flynn movie. I've only seen Men in Tights. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that's the Carrie
0: always one, (laughs) right?
1: That's the, Mel Mel Brooks did that one. Um, And then the comedy. And then the Kevin Costner one, which which apparently is, uh, she was told that it was the most accurate representation of what really happened back then with Kevin Costner thing in it and it was that screenplay was channeled mm-hmm. so it was divinely we're
2: gonna have to watch it you know we'll have some things to watch. <laughs> okay okay so it makes sense why because it felt to me like Robin Hood is growing up and he's kind and the people around him are quite kind yeah. like obviously there's going to be some kind of hierarchy between rich and poor but then someone comes in and just like it feels like it stains the family name and then the People like Robin Hood and the people around him can't really do anything about it. So they feel stuck. So they're trying to secretly help. I don't think Robin Hood would have done this alone, actually. I feel like there would have been people in the nobility supporting him, but they yeah. may not have. He's kind of the go-between. It's like a rebellion happening. Yeah. But they have to be very careful.
1: In, in the Wikipedia, does it talk about Robin Hood as a knight in the Crusades?
0: Uh, that's a possibility. One of the, there's a couple of things. Like, one is that he was a yeoman, which is somewhere between being like the poor peasant and then being a lord. It's like if you're a miller or something, it's just kind of like a step okay, up. So yeah. they talk, that's one option, um, or that he did fight in the crusades was another one. Was he noble or was he of noble birth? Um, so I guess, cru- I mean, if you go in the crusades, you're of noble birth because you have to be a knight, yeah. right? Yeah. So did he go he you think he fought in the Crusades? According well, to her?
2: Yeah, according to her. Yeah. What do you think, Vic? Did he go to the did he go to the Middle East? Would this have been later on from It'd,
1: bef- before, it'd be before right? he mm-hmm. he came back to this interim king?
2: It feels strange placing him in the Middle East. Were the Crusades fought anywhere other than the Middle East or in Africa?
1: Are a they little in Spain? bit in Spain, a little
0: bit yeah. in Spain, yeah. So maybe not so far afield.
2: Mm-hmm. Don't know. It just doesn't feel like he travels that far, but he feels quite worldly and educated. Like he's not small-minded village boy.
0: Could it have been that it was like his father who did that, or someone close to him? Crusades. Yeah.
2: So it feels like he may have been too young to like really go and fight. Hmm. The
0: part that I don't get is that, okay, if we're talking about a, a village or a town, how does a king who's presumably ruling the whole country be so intimately involved?
1: Um, there's, there's barons and lords and...
0: Sheriffs? Yeah,
1: all of that. So there's many different types of territories for... Like, like King Arthur, he had, well, if it's true, he had... There was other barons and kings around as well. It's not just one, but there is one main one, and I don't think this is the. I don't think this is the area where that main king was. But there was this.
0: It's like a trickle down effect. So his rules, and then these other people have to like enact them. Then to kind learn, of. I of mean, they that? have their
1: own. They kind of have their own rules, and sometimes they even battle each other. It's like. Mm. So it's
0: it's still fragmented back then, more like region states. Like kind how much?
1: of, it's landowner, land right. lords. But so that's I, where you're from. What do you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's right. Where even is Sherwood Forest?
1: I don't think it's around like not, here. They,
2: it? Oh, Nottingham. Is it? I think
1: so. Oh, cool. I had no oh, idea. that
2: makes. I feel like Nottingham makes sense. I think I've heard that in reference to Robin Hood. The Sheriff of Nottingham, oh. so when you hear oh, that... Oh, that makes
1: sense, the Sheriff of Nottingham. He was,
0: he was his... Apparently, I mean, from the earliest stories, there was like this conflict with him and the Sheriff of Nottingham, so does that ring true, or what can he say about anything to do with that?
2: I mean, Nottingham's like in the centre, it's... I guess you could call it... Is it the Midlands, maybe?
1: Where is the? Where do the kings reside? or queens.
2: And well, I would have thought. Did London, London exist then? Don't
1: know.
0: I don't know. Yeah, because uh, the Tower of London was built in when. Well, like the Norman invasion was in 1066, and then they set up shop at the Tower of London, didn't they? Built by Norman the Conqueror
2: way. in 1066. Battle of Hastings, 1066. Yeah, and I'm pretty
0: sure. I think they were sent, okay. like, situated in London. I don't
2: know. Nottingham feels like it would have been more, I mean I'm sure there were towns dotted all over, yeah. like that's where they come from, and then you have like poor towns and different, um, but Nottingham is in the centre, it's not near the water or anything.
0: So how does the Sheriff of Nottingham, does that have, hold any meaning for him?
2: It feels like that could be a bit of a tale, yeah. more than it is accurate. So what else does
0: you want to tell us about, because it sounds quite exciting.
2: Yeah, I'm just building a picture of the time and what's going on. I'm trying to, yeah, progress it to see what what really happened. It does feel like a long period of time. I'd say like even around like something about 10 years. How long were the crusades?
0: Um, oh, there are many. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Because it feels like there's long pauses and then comings and goings of people. So the biggest worry at the time isn't the people starving. It's what's going on in the rest of the world and the rest of the country. So the nobility's focus isn't on fixing this problem at home. It's on other stuff. But Robin Hood feels like a duty to help them. But like I said, there's only so much he can do. So it feels like he would have had to have put his focus into the other stuff as well.
1: Yeah. What's the other stuff?
2: Well, like the stuff in the, Yeah, the rest the of the and kingdom, and... the other countries. Sounds like RFK Jr.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> Isn't it? He's like the champion of like the poor people, but he's kind of nobility, if you would say, and everybody's focused on like the war in Ukraine. And he's like, we have people
2: starving at home. Mm-hmm. We need to fix this. Mm
0: -hmm. that's a bit of an aside but
2: parallels in history yeah it does right
0: Yeah. I'm curious to know more about like this group of men in the forest and Mm. him sort of being their maybe leader and like what kind of orders were they taking from him if he's their leader and like what were they trying to accomplish so you said like he's working on the inside trying to work from the top down sort of maybe changing some taxation
2: laws I don't know there's only um, so much he can do though in in within the nobility because he doesn't feel like he's that high up. He feels like he'd be a bit younger, so he doesn't have the power that he would like. Till he's slightly on the outside, he's not like one of the main in the he's not in the direct line.
0: Okay. He doesn't have the ear of this person who's. Evil. No,
2: I don't think so. No. Um, And it feels like the people in the woods, it kind of leads to a bit of an uprising. So I can feel them getting impatient. Like, well, if they're not going to do something, then we'll try and do something. But it doesn't feel like that goes
1: very well. No. What were some of the things he had them do in the woods? It
2: feels like they needed to prepare to defend themselves. But also a lot of the time, because it feels like a long time, would have just been spent making a home there. So I feel like Robin Hood would have helped in any way he could and he would have bought them things. And maybe if, even if he could give them actual money and then they could go back into the town and like buy things and bring it back. But I don't really feel like they could live within that town.
1: Do they create their own kind of law system there in the woods and have their own just rules and...
2: Feels like over time they became more established because then I see them like bringing their families in. It's now not just men who want to fight. It's like okay, I'll bring my wife and my children, and we're all kind of setting up their own new village.
0: And is it still there now? Like did this persist, or what's the
2: word? Yeah, that they end up establishing in a whole new town. Something about it feels kind of flimsy. Like you know, the king or someone could have come along and just said nope wipe that out, it doesn't feel like when the nobility finds out about it, it doesn't feel good to them, they're like, oh they're challenging us, we're the ones in charge, you can't have your own sheriff system or laws, you have to live by ours. It feels like quite a few people probably would have died.
0: How did it all end? I
2: actually feel like there's tension between Robin Hood and this group, which feels kind of sad. It doesn't really feel like there was that much that he could do, but he did try his best. So I think he probably did better their lives and help them and support them. But at the end of the day, he was just one person.
0: Was that the extent of his involvement with them? was just like supporting them financially?
2: I feel like, say, if one of them got in trouble or got caught, that he would try and do his best that, like, you know, their sentence would be lessened or to an extent he had some kind of influence. If it was to do with like, people lower down in the chain of command, like directly with the king, I don't think he would have really been able to do anything, but if he could intercept it a bit lower in the chain, then he could change something.
0: Um, so all those different people that they talk about because there's like, who's Friar Tuck? And also like, where did he get, where did this name come
2: from? Was that his actual name? No, I don't think his name was actually Robin Hood. Okay.
1: Yeah, my near-death experience friend was told um, that was his nickname because he was always shrouded himself with the hood. Yeah. And he was robbing the the rich, the king. So.
2: How was he robbing? Was he robbing? I mean, I guess you would say it's robbing to take from somebody without consent. What was he taking? I can see him, like, whether it's a literal coin that he's giving to them, or, you know, and you try and, like, doctor a few numbers, like, no, there are only ten chickens here, not twelve, and he takes the other two to them, or he's just, like, trying to cut some corners and shave some things off. Yeah. So he's a bureaucrat, working with the books? <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, it feels like there are other people in the nobility who do agree with him, so I feel like he, there would have been bits of support. It's like a little network. Yeah, but he's he's the spokesperson or the go-between. So it's like the hood. I feel like he would have you know charged out of town on a horse or whatever, with a, a hood up, and then gone to the people, hmm. or passed it even down to other like peasants within the village who then brought it out. Or it definitely feels like there's a network. Did they overcome in the end, or did they
0: have to? Did they get broken up and had to go back to? being rabble
2: do you know how long this interim king stays in
1: i know years but i don't know how long um but the other king the good king does eventually come back yeah Yeah.
2: so it feels like a matter of holding out Mm. until there's like a sigh of relief Of okay the king's back i mean he won't like this but he feels more forgiving and like he would understand it feels like a quite a long time, so a lot is established in the time that the king's gone.
0: Like a decade?
2: Yeah, it feels like at least that long. So it is very different.
0: So the king comes back and he's like, oh no, this is not what I wanted. And then he reverses, some, and then people have money again or are not not so poor?
2: I don't know if they reverse it so much that all these people break down the village and move back to the main town but it feels like there's more it it kind of feels like a happy ending okay in my world
0: <laughs> although before you said you, you didn't think it ended well
2: yeah i think just in between there is a lot of people thrown in jail and yeah and probably executed because in this network people would have got caught
0: so what happened to Robin Hood himself
2: feels kind of hard to see
0: does he live to be a an old man?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to see if he like stays in that village or he has to go again. It feels like when this king comes back, it kind of relinquishes him of so much responsibility, and he can relax a bit more of knowing that these people are in safer hands. And he feels like he has more of a direct communication with this king, and there's more of like a rapport between them, even like a friendship. So he knows him personally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he feels safer being like, okay, well, if it's my duty to go and fight in this war or go and travel somewhere else for another reason, like, I will. Because he feels safe. He just feels like a protector. Protector of the people. And now this king comes back, he feels like he can relax, but...
1: Is that more his personality or is that some type of soul thing that he has when he came down to Earth?
2: A bit of both. It feels like it's quite his personality. He feels caring. Mm. Yeah, I'll see if I can dig deeper and get something about the soul the mission. I don't know. Something about it for me doesn't feel that poignant. Like, I'm wondering how it got from this to a story that's been told for centuries.
0: Huh. I mean, yeah, what was he famous for in his time? Or the time shortly after?
2: Mm. I'm wondering if it's more of. Not folklore, because I do feel like there's truth to it. But if it was done so that a story could be passed forward through centuries and and time and be used as an example. You mean on a soul level? Yeah. To inspire? Yeah, like at the time it wasn't like a huge deal, but it became more of a big deal.
1: There was probably more of him back then like in different areas. There may have been other characters just like him.
2: Yeah, but he doesn't feel like this divine soul that's come in for this huge mission to save the people or be a rebel. It feels very normal and ingrained in him. It's just like the right thing to do. Yeah. And we can use that as a story now to be like, yeah, why is there such a divide between the rich and the poor? Which we clearly still haven't learned. Hmm. What I wanted to ask
0: was just about that time, it's such a long time ago, how did he feel about societal structure that he grew up in? Mm. Did he have any issues with the way things were done?
2: I was seeing it as these circles, so it's like got the inner circle and then the circles keep going out, so like, and I see that spreading through the town as well, so it's probably quite A, physical, a ripple effect. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say he doesn't feel inner inner. He feels like the one, just out from that. What do you mean by that? You know, the people on the inner circle would be like the king, and oh, I and then one out would be like nobility, but they don't have as much influence. As it and
1: can. at the same time, it's kind of like how he was in the woods. He, he wasn't. He didn't start this clan. They were there when he arrived, and trying to figure out things to do. And he just had this ability to ability able to lead Mm. so according to the myths
2: he's like the connector he puts people together yeah but yeah at that time what does he feel about i mean it feels very medieval like kind of gross when you zoom in in what way well especially in like the poorer areas for us especially it's like no sanitation and the further you go out like the worse it gets there's just such a divide between the rich and the poor and it's very obvious
1: and in the stories there's a his best friend named little john who wasn't little at all. he was huge <laughs> is he a true figure in robin hood's life
2: it does feel like there's someone who has his back like a friend i can't say whether that's little john or not but it does feel like there's a person there who doesn't feel like they actually do any of the work like they don't feel like the person who would leave town and go and see the villagers but he would cover for him or defend him yeah
0: like an advisor as well, like he would talk about plans with him
2: um he feels less invested in the cause but he understands why Robin Hood wants to do it and will support him in that if he can, but he doesn't really feel like he wants to do the work
0: so I guess there's probably like the poor people weren't allowed to, you know, deal with the wealthier people. Was it kind of like that, like lower class citizens and treated kind of like animals a little bit, or was it more like there's but more nuance, like a bunch of different layers all the way up that kind of connects everything together. Like you said, it's quite divided.
2: Yeah, it feels like if you are one of the poorest people in town, you wouldn't directly be able to speak to the king. Yeah. Maybe like. The other king, the nicer one, may have, like, entertained people a bit or invited them in for their grievances, but usually it would probably go through a system of, like, you've got to talk to this person and then go to this person. But like, there are spokespeople that would then send that message to the king.
0: How were women treated in, in his time?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: or What were their rights?
2: I don't feel like there's that much regard for them. It's kind of, like, keep your head down and do your duty as a woman. So,
0: How does he feel about that?
2: There's more respect for them within the nobility because they'd be more educated and more important, but still, like, they... doesn't really feel like they'd have a say, which to him feels like a a shame. He just feels really sensitive. Like, even if a woman was stood there, like, with her head down, being quiet, he knows that, like, she's listening and thinking. Like, she has her own thoughts on what's going on. She just can't express it.
0: Because I read somewhere that based on like these early tales that it seemed that he had sort of this higher regard for women than maybe his contemporaries did?
2: I think he does. Yeah. I mean, he sees them, they exist. When everyone's in a room together, like they exist to him. That's nice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, So coming back to this Maid Marian thing, was that just... Well, so was he married in his life? Did he have like a big romance...
2: I feel like he was married. He would have been expected to have been married. And I also feel like he would have wanted to. I don't know. I feel like he lived kind of a a lucky life. It doesn't feel like he was forced to marry anyone. He didn't really didn't want to marry. Yeah, it feels like he had quite a harmonious home life and would have had kids. Yeah. Because I think
0: some people think that the Maid Marian thing was added a couple hundred years later when it became... I don't know. His stories became part of like this May Day Fair they would have these Robin Hood games or something. And mm. and then that's when this maid Marion sort of showed up. And so whether or not that was like part of his actual story or not, I don't know.
2: I don't know if his wife was maid Marion, but he feels happy with the person that he's with and content. Like a mixture of doing his duty, but also respecting her. I don't know if I'd say it's like a deep love. I'm sure that would have also had to have been accepted by his family and the people in charge, like, this is a good match. But he doesn't feel like, oh, I'm marrying a complete witch. And yeah, there's, again, a respect for women. So it feels like he would have protected her too and not done anything to get her in trouble.
0: Yeah, I'm of why he was hiding his identity or yeah, trying to be subtle about his machinations. What do you know, Brandon?
1: Um, the woman that he was with, he considered her an equal to him. And yeah, he was happy with her. I don't know who that was. I don't know. So I get a lot of my information from my my near-death experience friend who I was friends with for 20 years. And I just ask question after question. Because when she passed away, it felt like she was up there for so long, forever. And then when she came back down, it was like, it was only, I think, only two two minutes or three minutes that she had, she had passed away. But um, she asked anything she wanted to. And... Robin Hood was one of them, and she was told Robin Hood was not his name. His name was Robin, they called him Robin Hood. I forget his name, she told me. I forget what she told me about Maid Marian. I don't know if that was even, if she even told me anything about her. But she was told he's he's an avatar. He came down here to raise the consciousness of humanity. and And what we seem to have, and she didn't tell me this, but what it seems to have like throughout these like King Arthur and, and this time and she even said right now where we're living when we're living right now is the most amount of avatars are on the planet at this moment because we're in the darkest, hardest times in history and we will be known in the future as the giants of history because they're gonna be amazed at how we overcame all this. But so it seems like we have these avatars like Robin Hood that comes in when the light workers Need help from these dark entities that want to take and be the powers and be the elites and be the people like the Cabal, that kind of thing. So, Robin Hood was apparently one of these figures, along with John, Little John, uh, who was also an avatar, part of Robin Hood's soul group, and they worked together.
0: What is an avatar?
1: Avatar is a... Well, this is what she told me. Avatar is a soul. Not. I'm not talking about the avatars that we read about in, um, in, like, the India gurus or the swamis and things like that, because there's avatars like Sai Baba. He was considered an avatar, which he was, apparently, from my near-death experience friend. But uh, an avatar is a soul that has evolved very, very highly. They're actually at a very high density, high dimensional level, because we have all these dimensions in the ether realms. And... These souls have a name, but I'm not gonna name them. But they come in as big old soul groups that are here and they, they're not the type that uh, can get brainwashed easily. And they are the type that are literally here to break down the system that has been created by the dark workers or the darker souls and stuff like that. And even though we, it doesn't seem like they, they actually win, but they do break up a lot of the the patterns that these, like throughout history, a lot of the people we've interviewed are avatars. And they break up these patterns of these systems. That are called, they're called system busters.
0: Hmm. So do you know of any that are here right now that are avatars? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was told in the 90s that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was an avatar. Really? Yeah. She
0: in the was, 90s, you were told that? Yeah,
1: in the late 90s, she was told that. Or she was, she was, I believe it. She was told in the 90s, but I was told in the late 90s when I met her. And um, Elvis was one. She said, all of the Beatles are one. Every single Beatles is an avatar. And nowadays, well, she, she was told about some actors that are avatars. Brad Pitt? <laughs> she didn't say Brad Pitt was an avatar and she didn't say Will Smith was an avatar because I asked precisely, were those two avatars? She's like, I wasn't told about them being avatars, but she goes, I think they're light workers. But she was told Kevin Costner is okay. an avatar. She was told Marilyn Monroe's an avatar. Who else? Um um um
0: Kevin Costner. Well, he plays Robin Hood.
1: Yeah, uh gosh, she named off so many. I'm trying to go back in the nineties to tell me to because I was really into asking her this question. You I wonder how days. many of them
0: are even around then, isn't it?
1: Um, but the, these avatars, there's avatars that are fully awakened. So they're like like a Sai, Sai Baba or Yeshua mm-hmm. or Jesus, sorry. And a Buddha, they're fully awakened. And then she says there's semi-awake avatars and sleeping avatars and, you know, avatars that have no idea they're avatars. Like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, like Marilyn Monroe, like Kevin Costner. Like kind of the famous people we, we talk about in in Hollywood culture. But she's told, she said that Gandhi was an avatar and that Gandhi was a semi-awake avatar. He wasn't fully awake. Oh, Anthony Robbins, she said, was an avatar. Who else? She's, oh, she's, you know, Steve Jobs? Mm-hmm. She was told he's an avatar and that somebody else, who I'm not going to name, who's kind of his rival, was a dark worker. <laughs> dark Brotherhood.
0: Who's still alive. Uh-huh.
1: And then... <laughs>
0: and that Bill Gates is probably evil.
1: That could be the person that she was talking about. Oh. <laughs> really? Um, and then, um, yeah, anyway, I, there's a long list. I could just go home and write them out later, I guess. If you okay, want, if no, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> I, was, I just... Um. i got to figure out who else was there. But also,
2: can these people come through as avatars and you say unawakened ones and therefore not really know what they're doing?
1: Yeah, they're humans. They make as many yeah, mistakes. Yeah, exactly, and, yeah. Like, she even told me about an avatar that was real, but he he took a wrong path and he killed a lot of people. Oh. Not in a good way. <laughs> Not like he's defending mm. Hitler? No, she didn't. She was no, she didn't say anything about him being an avatar. Hmm. This person was known as Count Dracula. Oh. And I don't know who this is in history, but there was somebody You could
0: talk to him next. There's somebody
1: in history who who oh. was
0: oh. Oh.
1: named. They named Dracula, and he was supposed to be, supposedly, this avatar. and, and Like, Shakespeare is an avatar.
2: Huh. Very interesting. But it's interesting, because these people, we've spoken to some of them, and when they come through to me, they don't feel, or feel, like, this holy, ah, like, I don't get that. Oh, you I said Joan of Arc was one.
1: She was told Joan of Arc was one, yeah.
2: But sometimes, to me, they just come through as, like, very human, and...
1: Because you're tired I think, they are.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they were. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> So
2: it doesn't make them like any more special or like,
1: no, no present. No, no, no. You can still just it's disrupt just,
2: things even though you're just being human. It's
1: kinda like it's kinda like let's say um let's like say somebody tries to force us to do something that we know is not right. We can feel it deep in our core. We're not a person we're not people who are gonna be like, okay, we'll just do it just to, to be safe. No, we can't do that. We 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 will rebel against it,
2: that type mm. of thing.
1: Because it's not right in our own heart, so, mm. and that's what avatars are really known for.
0: Ah, very, very interesting. Um, getting back to <laughs> Robin, Robin Hood, and if he's an avatar, I mean, what you know, what can he share with us? You know, jumping across the centuries, is there anything that he would like to talk
2: to us about? He's saying it's all in plain sight. Mm. It's like every, even now, everyone can see what's really going on, it's just that no one says or does anything about it.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, they just did a poll on who thinks the media is truthful, and only 22% of the population thinks that...
0: Mainstream media. ...in
1: America, mainstream media is true. Wow. That's 88% that thinks it's just lying.
0: But then what are they doing about it?
1: But, but and that's true because... Only a small, there's only a couple million people that actually watch CNN and actually watch Fox and all that stuff. Not that many people watch it. It's, it's very interesting.
2: Mm. And it feels like it's been in plain sight since the very beginning. Like you've always seen hierarchy, like it exists there. So let's not pretend that it doesn't.
0: Like hierarchy between haves and have-nots? Power?
2: Yeah, and uh, like power structure. And it always seems to have been an impenetrable force, or until it's not. I don't know. It just feels like it. We've always seen it, but somehow I'm seeing it as like they live in this protected bubble that it seems really difficult to smash. And you can expose them. Like it's see through. You can. It's glass. You can see in it, but you can't get to them. Doesn't it feel like that right now? It's like so
0: many. News articles, people doing research, so many like documents, whistleblowers. It's like, guys, this is what's happening. Like, can you believe it? And everybody's like, nothing happens, nothing can be done. It's like they're untouchable.
1: Well, I was looking at the lawsuits and uh, against pharmaceutical companies and things like that. And there's a ton of whistleblowers that come out and whistleblow on these corporations and they get in trouble. But the news media does not, I mean, they are at the tune of billions of dollars, over $40 billion they've spent out these pharmaceutical companies for killing people and oh. for bribing politicians and for um, lying about their, their side effects, hiding information from the public. And they've been sued and they've lost, but nobody really knows about this. Yeah. So Well,
0: they do, but they just think nothing can be done.
1: But how much do they really know? I mean, they can just say that and be like, "Yo, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the government does this crap. But do they really know how deep it goes? I mean, the corporations yeah. literally control.
0: I don't know. It's funny because when I talk to people that are sort of like, I guess, more in in that world than we are over here in Asia, that are like living in North America and... You know, who are very much in line with everything the government's been telling them to do and sort of, you know, bought and like jumped on that whole bandwagon for the last few years. And then if I have and say, like, look, you know, did you know about this? Did you know about that? And like, oh, no, I didn't know about that. And then that, like, you can show them an article and they're like, oh, yeah, but that's just always been going on. Don't you know it's just like this? I'm like, Mm -hmm. is that okay? And it is. I think there's just like a huge amount of apathy because everybody feels completely powerless because we don't all have millions of dollars or billions that we can buy Twitter and just say, well, I'm going to change something. Like, I think everybody just feels a bit helpless and lost. And like, how would I ever go up against this corruption?
1: Mm -hmm. So I'm going to live my life within it. At the same time, I think it's, it's crumbling down this corruption and this, the system, because we've had the biggest ever, well, what are they called? Not parades. Um, protests? protests with <laughs> millions and millions of people on the street that again were not shown on mm. the news we had this thing in what's canada. happening in france right now yeah in canada yeah. you had this huge amazing strike of these
0: all the truckers Well the truckers well and their supporters
1: yeah and their supporters and just because they could they couldn't stand for it anymore they even they risked their livelihood and people who disagree with it are like well, there's a reason they did this. I mean, people disagree with it. It doesn't make sense to me because there's a reason these people did this and they're literally risking their careers to end what they believe was some, a great huge wrong going on in the world. And so I don't understand why. They, I have a friend who's, he is so pro-corporate corporations that it's very difficult to talk to him about anything like this. So, hmm.
0: But it is, I mean, there, there'll be a tipping point because I think there are a lot of people that are angry and don't want to stand for it. But then there's still so many that just are like, nah, just let it go because whatever. I just want to carry on with my life and go hang out with my friends and whatever, have a barbecue.
1: Yeah, until it, it screws up. Until, me until I have life. to do something
0: yeah. with it, that's yeah. true, Rick. Once it affects you personally, yeah.
1: And that's the thing with avatars is that when they see things happening to other people, not just themselves, mm-hmm. they don't feel that's you know justified. They want to. They want to help yeah but even
2: down to the good things like i mean loads of people don't believe in my world of work until they have a personal experience of like that was proved to me they can't take someone else's word for it so i think yeah you do have to or someone in your family dies and you're like i know they didn't die from a heart attack or i know it was to do with this it just Mm -hmm. takes tragedy sometimes well it's like spiritual awakening usually comes from rock bottom. Mm-hmm. But I, I do see a mirror between the Robin Hood time and now and looking at how there's always been people protesting and seeing that it's not right and trying to do something about it. But they can't... Break through. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of... In that time, I'm seeing it as this, the The top of the pyramid, let's say, and the bottom. So the rich at the top, the poor at the bottom. And it's in the middle. They're the people who can actually do something. And even now, it feels like I'd say the people at the bottom are the spiritual people who are awake, whatever you want to call it, and then the people at the top are the the evil ones. It's the people in the middle, the people who don't want to admit the truth, that could actually have the power to change things.
0: Mm -hmm. It's like this consumer class, Mm. especially since it's all about corporations having taken over government and everything, if you stop buying from them. You know, we do have a lot of power, but we have to be organized and we have to be en masse. Yeah, can't just be like one percent. Has to be more.
2: And in Robin Hood time, it did feel like it was the one percent who were suffering, and everyone else was, oh, well, we can deal with it. So we're not going to stand by you.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And then also, what I the parallel I see with the Robin Hood is that you know, trying to affect change from within the establishment. You know, because I I always wondered about that when I was donating money to different environmental organizations back when I was working and it's like okay is it does it come from the grassroots like is it the people or is it top down it's so much faster if you can get it from top down if you, mm-hmm. somebody comes in oh this isn't right let me change this law because like people behaviors are based on what the laws are you know mm-hmm. like if it's going to be cheaper to do it this way then most people will do it that way so you kind of need to put those systems in place for people to like with their natural instincts for self-preservation will follow. Um, but at the same time, ta- yeah, like the grassroots I think eventually can have the strongest change but it takes so much longer than yeah. coming top down. But you need both. I think you need both. And then if you can meet in the middle and then change everything, then that's great. But
2: You have to have the people brave enough to risk, especially when you're that high up, to risk ruining your life completely. Yeah. And being outcast. Yeah.
1: There was a great doctor on Joe Rogan I was listening to yesterday while you guys had your meeting over It was just yesterday. I just haven't listened to Joe Rogan in a long time. And you were talking about, who was it?
0: S.E. Malhotra? I don't know. The British guy? The British guy. Yeah. I love him. He
1: was amazing. He's a guy who was, uh, he's top of that kind of medical establishment. I wouldn't say he's top, but he's in the medical establishment.
0: He was on TV on BBC, like promoting gas, healthy
1: food, but also telling <laughs> oh, yeah. everybody
0: to go and get vaccinated. And then his father died, and then he looked into it and like spent six months researching and realized that his father had actually been killed by the vaccine. Ooh. And then he started speaking out against it. And then yeah, like all the doors closed. He's vilified, like lot But he
1: was a villain before, according to the establishment, because back in the 2013. He was saying that, okay, we've been told that statin drugs are good for us and that they help. And he says they do not. And if you go through the peer-reviewed literature, it does not say they do. The pharmaceutical companies take little things, little aspects of these research papers that benefit them, and they promote those. And so he would not say the statin drugs are good for you. He would not say it for years, and he, he even lost his Maybe he's an avatar. Oh, he definitely is. And then he, um,
0: Everybody is like, cool. Yeah.
1: And then he, he, I can, I just was like, oh my God, he was getting, and so he also was like, okay, we have this horrible overweight epidemic in England and we need to fix this and it's through health. It's not through drugs. Mm-hmm. And so he, he was promoting that as well. And so anyway, a lot of stuff. And then, this happened with the jazz because he was he was pro vaccine, all the way until his father was killed by one, and then he's like, oh, they're not as safe as they told us, and so he kept looking. He's like, wait, there's a side effect, this side effect, this side effect. He goes, all these people that are dying, it shows that there's side effects of these. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, there are so many parallels. There's always parallels because we're first of all the world is so complex. So there's always something. And we're just human, so we're going to keep doing the same things in and, one form or another. And we're living other.
1: for like 70 to 80 years, so we just, it's not like we have this long lifespan, like I think of hundreds of years where people can be like, okay, the elders are like, okay, don't do this, because this is what happened. Mm-hmm. We did this 70 years ago. Like, yeah. I think, I have no idea what it is. Even says. when they do
0: warn us, we still don't listen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I mean, I think it was, it was pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> like, because there's no information about them at mm-hmm. all. So I would think we want we to watch cool. the
1: Robin Hood I Kevin do. Costner film together
0: yeah I totally do
1: you blinked your eyes and said
0: so I guess we'll wrap it up here thank you everybody for listening and it's fun I like doing these ones where we have no information and yet what you're saying fits in again with what Brandon's been told by a different source and also does match with what's been passed down for almost a thousand years in terms of legend and stories and i think so many things are do have a kernel of truth and they're kind of built off of that and it's funny how much of these interviews that we do how much they corroborate the received wisdom around those people Mm -hmm. for the most part so yeah let's say goodbye for now thanks for listening goodbye for now thank you